We live in a time where masculinity is shamed and men don't know what it means to be a man. As a pastor and counselor, I've spent the better part of my life equipping and training others. My goal with this show is to translate my hard-earned experience into tools and tactics to help you become stronger as a man. This is the Brave Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Valentin. All right, Brave Co. men, this week I am with one of my best friends and honestly one of my longest friends, Ben Armstrong. That's right. Ben, thank you so much for coming on, man. I'm so excited to be with you. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Dude, so we have um, so much history because we grew up together in Weaverville. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Back in the day. I know. Hey, uh, do you remember backpacking trips? Yeah. Back when you, I can remember one time your dad almost didn't let you go on a backpacking trip because we were going in the Alps and he thought that Bob Johnson, our youth pastor, was leading it. But no, the intern, me, <laughs> at 18 years old, was taking all the youth kids. Well, how Alps. old are you, Ben? I'm 43. Yeah, um, I'll be 50 this year. Okay, yeah. So, you, so you're like 29 years older than me. Uh, no, no, you're uh, seven years older than yeah. me close to that. So growing up, I was probably closer. Well, you and your brothers were, were both older than me. So yeah. it, um, you were always somebody that I looked up to. And then I think your brothers were always somebody that picked on me. <laughs> probably. Freaking yeah. punks. Yeah. yeah. They, they were, yeah. Joel, Joel knew how to get under people's skin. But I do remember that backpacking trip, uh, to Lion Lake. Oh yeah. So that one that my dad almost didn't let me go on. Yeah. Which he probably shouldn't have let me go on that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you put a bunch of young men together and we just figure out crazy stuff to do. Dude, the truth is, is that those were the best days, right? Like yeah. so much innocence and just being able to go up into the mountains with you guys and um, my brother. And that's where I learned like who could pee the furthest. Yeah. Yeah, volunteer fire department put out the fire with your <laughs> just hose it off. It was awesome. <laughs> um, Jumping off rocks, catching <laughs> fish. It's true. I can remember that trip, your dad upset that I was leading, and then you came and you didn't have any like silverware or utensils to, to cook up your stuff. Well, here's the thing. So uh, now people ask me all the time, like, oh man, your dad must be a big hunter. You know, he must love to hunt and fish because I do that so much. Yeah, but yeah. the truth is, is that my dad is terrified yeah. of the outdoors and my dad could get lost in a paper bag. Like he couldn't <laughs> figure his way back out if he got caught trapped in it. And he, so he has these stories growing up of when he first moved to Weaverville of taking me out into the woods, you know, to go whatever, yeah. hunting and, and just walk around. He would literally get turned around and be lost. So his sense of direction is so bad. Like even with Siri telling him it's difficult and I'm not ragging on my dad. These are facts. No, yeah, it's just, just straight, straight facts. Truth. Yeah. His dad also drowned um, growing yeah. up. So his dad drowned in the Anderson Dam. And yeah. so my dad was terrified of the outdoors, terrified of water. So growing up, it was, it was always challenging because, you know, his fear of the outdoors and his fear of water created this scenario where, Anyway, so going on these hiking trips, we were never prepared, right? Because my dad never did it. So I would, I don't even know what I would be, 
I would be shocked if I had anything packed. Oh, correctly. you had you had food that you couldn't actually cook out there. <laughs> it was like microwavable yeah, stuff, and there's totally. no microwave out there no. in the woods. Well, fast forward that, and I can remember us going up to Grizzly Lake, yeah, and hiking and and talk about the difference of a generation in direction. You're like, hey, okay, we're going straight up this mountain, oh, and yeah. we're going to check out a hunting spot and stay the night on top of this mountain. So that's 15 years later, and yeah. then we're gonna we're gonna hike over, and it'll cut off time. And I can remember one of us stepped on a, a hornet's you, nest or something, and then I I'm going, and the people behind, bro, <laughs> me and no, my dad, listen, was it was awesome. just me, you, and your dad, yeah. And Dad we, was so mad. We almost you killed went him straight up that mountain. He's a gazelle in the woods. At that time, he was in so much shape. He's like, "Oh yeah, I mean, no problem." And we're eating Jay's dust, and my dad is so mad at yeah. me. He's like, "Gonna kill us." <laughs> and he's been in the woods his whole life, but he, he was he was he was broke off. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> I remember that we went up to check out that deer hunting spot, and then uh, meanwhile, everyone else. So there, we were with a group of like ten guys or something. They all went. We checked out this deer hunting spot, and then hiking out, we went cross country to reach the trail again. Yeah. You step into all those bees, dude. Oh. Just, just get eaten up, you like, and your dad. Run! <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, man, I've had a thing with bees on backpacking trips. I can remember one getting up in my backpack, oh, yeah. you know, when my backpack was yeah. still on, and it was just biting into me. It was a oh. bumblebee. What didn't have a stinger? It just bit me like six or seven times. Oh, yeah. If we get off on bee stories, dude, I'll be telling stories oh, forever. Yeah. But that was our that was our upbringing growing up in Weaverville, where you hunted and fished and were in yeah. the outdoors, and yeah. You know, um, I think going to church, your household is probably the same as mine, right? Mm-hmm. Going to church wasn't wasn't even an option. My dad used to say, "You don't you don't have to go to church. You get to go to church." It was this thing that that's right, that's right. And I can remember uh, in worship service too, in the worship part of the service, because when when I was young, there was no children's church or youth group at that point. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an off deal, but. Uh, I can remember my mom would say, hey, during worship, you stand and you raise your hands the whole time. That's what our family does. Mm-hmm. Look at the Johnsons. They're doing it. Well, come to find out years and years later, Bill and Benny would tell Brian and Eric and Leah, if you raise your hands and if you worship the whole time, we'll take you to ice cream afterwards. Oh, that was my family. And I was like, I didn't get no ice cream. Bro, you, I want to well, tell first, you who's who's the real worshippers. Oh, can we talk about your mom for a second? <laughs> oh, yes, dude. dude mom your mom was, was so hardcore. She was scary sometimes. She was scary, bro. She was intense. I was scared of your mom, more scared than I was of my dad. Bro. Did, did did she teach you in uh, preschool? Yeah. Oh yeah, she would so, whoop those. Uh, here's kids. the thing. Do you remember the song like um, "Put Your Right Arm Up, Put Your Right Arm yeah, Down"? Yeah, yeah. Father Abraham. Yeah. I still have this memory, like. Out of all the memories that I could have of my childhood, right? This is the, like the one of the only four that I remember. Oh, is it was stick your tongue in, stick your tongue out, and I left my tongue out, and your mom got so mad. Dude, I remember literally. I remember getting in trouble for that. Your mom was <laughs> hardcore, bro. <laughs> totally. I, it was so funny because that's how I felt about your dad growing up. He used yeah. to in the theater. He used to wait at the end of the snack bar, which was the only way in. <laughs> 
And we would go in and then he would stand at the end of the snack bar and try and arm wrestle all the young boys. Bro. And I was at least smart enough to like let my little brothers go first. Wear them out. Because he would like slam their arms down and think they connected and my brothers would go off crying. <laughs> I'm like, I sneak around. <laughs> I was like, I was afraid of your dad growing up. It was Dude, like so, so, so funny. We're going to get into some content today, yes. but this but is content. Here's the truth though. I remember this is how far back we go. Like, if you were uh, a single mom in our church, mm-hmm. my dad spanked your kids mm-hmm. without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't like this like domineering thing. Like my dad, if he saw one of the kids was acting out, you know, we grew up in a small church. Yeah. That was like his way of like caring, you know, it was like, yeah. come here. You don't talk to your mom like that. And, like absolutely. if he didn't go clean up his mess, you know, more than, more than one occasion, <laughs> there'd yeah. be a kid getting a spanking. It was so family. It was. We were, we were everyone's family yeah. and, and we treated it that way. And we, we knew we were going to get parented by everyone. Yeah. You weren't going to get away with much. No, it's true. And that was the beauty of how we grew up, right? Like so many kids yeah. grow up today and they... They don't ever feel really loved or connected or cared for, not only by their parents, you know, but by a, by a community. And yeah. we had that. We grew up in a community that had a culture, yeah. that had core values, that we all did home group together. We all did youth group together. We all did mission trips together. Yeah. Years and years and years of mission trips together. And, and when I look at you in, in, I mean, honestly, when I, when I look at what we grew up in, yeah, we didn't realize how rare that was. No. And and how valuable our upbringing was. A lot of people go like, "Man, how did you like? How did you get to to where you're at today?" It's we had we had community, we had family, we had people that cared for us. Yeah, it makes a massive massive difference. It's true. Yeah, we should write a book one day about the Weaverville factor. <laughs> the Weaverville factor. Well, it's it's so fun because now, right? Like we're both on the senior leadership team at Bethel Church. Yeah. Um, you are over the prophetic movement uh, at the church, uh, and then also just run so much stuff. And it's really cool because uh, we're going to dive into your journey a little bit. We worked at the school of ministry together. So I I came on staff in 2004 at at the school of ministry. And basically, if you guys don't know what the school of ministry is, like Bethel has a literally a school of ministry. It's a three-year school if you want to go all the way through three years, but where people ages 17 to 100 come and learn just the basics in, that's first year is like the basics, right? It's like good identity, how to um, get the culture inside of you, and then some ministry, and then second year is more leadership, and third year is like actually interning for someone and doing the stuff. And so what, what year did you come on staff? 2007. Okay, yeah. So I was on staff three years before yeah. that. Yeah, which is so fun because I remember um, being on staff, and you were weren't you doing construction? Yeah, back then. Yeah, I was. I was a general building contractor for quite a while. Never thought I'd come back to full time vocational ministry, but we wanted to put our kids in the Christian school there. Oh yeah. So we wound up moving back, and and uh, that was when the market crashed uh, in the Bay Area too, 2007, 2008. It just really tanked. We lost a lot of money. You and your wife, Heather. Yeah. And so we were like, hey, we're going to come back and uh, put our kids in that school and and just 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 be immersed in the environment. So I was I was actually traveling back and forth to the Bay Area on a regular basis for a year. And then, you know, 
you guys asked me to come on staff. Bro, it was so cool. I remember <laughs> when you came on staff, it was like we got the team back oh, together. Yeah, yeah. It it was awesome. We had a good we had a good time. We did. Yeah. Um and so we talked ahead of time, you know, one of the craziest things about your life is where you're at today versus kind of where you started in, in the ministry. And, um, I know that, that was it, how long into the school ministry? Um, well, maybe I should introduce it like this, like when we were both on staff together Everything was awesome. Life was great for you. But then you ended up making one of the biggest mistakes of your life. Do you want to unpack that a little bit? Yeah. (laughs) Let's just get blunt. I had an affair. Yeah. Um, So, uh, which isn't funny. I I laugh because we're we're skirting around the subject and we're like, okay, how do we get there? Um, So three years in, you know, we're having a blast. We're doing great. And... And then I wind up in a spot where I'm in in a an environment where it's regular to live in the light. It's regular to get help with issues. And I'm still trying to handle everything on my own, not fully living in the light with everything that's going on in my life. And, you know, my wife and I, Heather is a full-time photographer at the time. I'm full-time ministry. Felt like we were kind of maybe doing a little bit of this, going yeah. in the wrong direction. And and uh, and then I started getting needs met from a relationship with a lady that I worked with. And uh, and it it progressed from there. And I found myself in a spot I never never thought I'd I'd be in and never intended to go in um, because I, I truly did. I, I love my wife. My actions didn't prove that in yeah. the moment, but, and that didn't honor our covenant, but that's, that's where I was at. And I can remember Jay, you were preaching a sermon on a Friday night mm. and I had had uh, a couple of weekends of, just this breaking covenant with my wife, with this other lady, and I'm stuck. And I know I'm, I'm like, what do I, what do I do? I don't even know how to get out of this. And I'm in such a stuck spot. And you preached about living in the light. <laughs> like you sucker. Of course this guy's reading my mail and you preached about living in the light. And I think it was that next week I, I, I sat down with you and Mark and just kind of laid it all out. You know, what was going on in, in, I mean, every detail every yeah. detail of what was going on. And that's that's the point where I thought, okay, well, I've ruined my marriage. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to go back to construction because I've, I've ruined ministry. Mm. I, I've ruined everyone's life. I don't know how my children are even going to relate to me. Mm-hmm. My kids are 10, 8, and 6 at the time probably. And you know, even, even that I'm like, okay, now I have an ex-wife 
because I know she's in your mind. Me. Yeah. And, and this is what I'm thinking. And I'm like, but the only thing I can do is own my mess. And I can't control anyone in this. Only one I can control is myself. I need to give myself, I need to take 100% of the responsibility for Ben Armstrong. And I need to get well mm. as a man as an ex-husband, because I'm thinking I'm an ex-husband now, <laughs> as a dad, but yeah, dad not living in the home probably. Yeah. And then how do I provide for my family as well? And so that's that's where I was at. That was, that was 2010. Oh, how scary was that? Oh, I was petrified. I was, first of all, you know, having to tell your wife something like that. It's one thing to sit down with you and Mark. Yeah. Best buds. Yeah. Mark, who's like the father of all fathers. Full grace. Huge grace, huge love, um, huge belief. But then, and, and it's one thing to tell my dad, mm. you know, but. Bro, you got to tell your I mom. I was like, yeah, all the, all the whole thing. Uh, I didn't even talk to mom at first. Talked to dad, and then I said, Dad, you need to come get my kids because I got to go tell Heather. And yeah. so you need to get the kids. And I can remember her taking her ring off and chucking it at me and telling her, telling me, go get the kids and get out of the house, and we're done. And that was your first conversation with her? That was my first conversation with her. And by the time I had gotten back with the kids, um, She's like, well, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to find a place tonight. You can, you can stay at home. And she actually let me stay home the first night and sleep in the bed, which was actually one of the worst Pretty experiences hard. of my life. I yeah. really, all I could feel was anger coming off, which I caused pain coming off. And it was really, Jay, that whole season was probably the most intense season of my life. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. And so uh, we've got a bunch in there. So that's where we're at in our story. That's where we're. Well, I mean, the <clears throat> we're going to talk about we're going to talk about other guys and and yeah, and because the the thing about your story is. It's so unique, especially in your position, right? Yeah. Because it's not unique in the sense that leaders fall. No. Because that happens. Unfortunately, yeah. it happens. But it's so unique in the fact that you went through a period of time and then you got restored. Yeah. And you got restored to a greater place, you know, eventually yeah. than where you started off at. And and that's why, man, I just love your story. And it's part of why we can laugh at the funny things in the beginning yeah. where I'm like, you had to tell your mom. Yeah. <laughs> None of this is funny except for the redemption that's happened in your life has been crazy. Yeah, and that's that's the deal, Jay, is like, you know, looking back, people, people see me now, and when I share my story, which I do, mm -hmm. um, it's not my only testimony. So no. I'm not run around and it's my platform is that one testimony. It's a testimony mm -hmm. in our life. But people are like, wow, I, I just don't see that in you. I don't feel that. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, because I'm a new man. Yeah. I've I've been transformed. It's true 
true redemption. And that's what I hung on to at the beginning. It's like, okay, God, if if you could do it for David, mm-hmm. then maybe you could do it for yeah. me. And if Peter betrayed you and denied you three times mm-hmm. and you could restore him and, and build something with him, then maybe you could do something in my life. I didn't, I didn't have any thought mm-hmm. for, for ministry. Well, the funny thing is, is I think, I think that men don't have hardly any question whether or not God could restore them. Yeah. I just don't, I think that restoration looks like disqualification for, for most people. Oh, absolutely. A shell of yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, a a smaller version that's under the thumb Mm -hmm. of, you know, shame, guilt, Mm -hmm. all those things that come in like a flood in those, those moments and say, Hey, let's be pals the rest of our life. Like shame and guilt, Mm -hmm. uh, all of those things. And even, even living at a place where you're, you're stuck in maybe even continual punishment the rest mm-hmm. of your life that that would always hang over your head the beautiful thing jay was heather yeah and i want to dive into that a little yeah. bit because going back into your story like what was it like in the beginning you know you made this mess the first night you get to sleep at home but like what was your process of starting to figure out what happened and what was wrong in in how you got to where you're at because that's that has to be pretty scary when you're doing things that you don't want to do, yeah. But you're not obviously you're not stopping yourself right away, and totally. then you, you end up doing stuff a whole bunch of stuff that, that you don't want to do. Like, what was that experience of trying to figure out what was wrong and and then how to fix it? Yeah, well, right away, I think the first step in all of it is just owning that something's wrong mm-hmm. and being honest with myself. Rather than making excuses, I think the first thing I did was just owned a hundred percent of my horrible choices, mm-hmm. uh, my betrayal of covenant, and then getting in. And it cost me, it cost me money too. So I started seeing a counselor twice a week. Yep, and I started going after that. I mean, it it started out. I can remember talking to Bill. Which you know he's Bill Johnson. he's Bill Johnson's the leader of our church. He's been our leader since we were little kids. Mm-hmm. And I can remember one Sunday morning, real early. It was about five in the morning, and I got to church, and uh, and I know he's going to be in in the sanctuary praying. And I go up to him. And I just tell him, "Hey, I betrayed you. I betrayed the ministry. This is what I did. I violated the covenant with my wife, and all this." And he looks at me and he says, yes, you did. Wow. And he let it stay there. And he didn't say a word. And I'm like, I'm thinking, what do I do now? (laughs) Right? Right? Like, oh my goodness, like this this is the hero of my life. And this is one of my biggest father figures in my life. And he's just like letting me sit in that. And I, I I panicked. I was like, well, will you forgive me? And he paused. And he said, yes. And that's where he left it. That was it. That was it. Oof. And so now I was like, oh, 
okay, I've got a long way to go to start beginning that journey of rebuilding trust. How do you do that? First, figuring out what's wrong with you and shoring that up and getting getting needs met where I should have been over here. I think my wife and I began to figure out, oh, we, we would lie to ourselves about our connection mm. even uh, by comparison. No one else ever does this, Jay, but me and yeah. my wife did. Well, we're, we're not disconnected like that, yeah. so we should be fine. Yeah. All the while ignoring that voice of Holy Spirit that says, no, you're, you're getting some things wrong. You know, you're, you're focused on this. She's focused on this. Where are you guys together? Um, and, then, and then that idea of like, I can fix things by myself and I don't need any help. Mm. And then I'm working with a person and getting connected in a way where I'm the only one meeting that person's needs. And then things that in my own life were unmet, now I'm beginning to let her in on places that are actually reserved for only my wife. Mm. And, and actually maybe weren't just reserved for my wife, but actually reserved for men and other men in relationship. But I didn't know how to do that. Uh, I had a pretty, and, and these are things I'm figuring out. Yeah. I had a pretty, you know, mom, pretty dominant, loud mom. I'm used to, this is, this is where I get feedback. This is where I get connect, all that stuff. Dad and I connected, but we didn't go deep with our conversations. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't share all those things. My dad and I, we could do a five hour drive and talk for five minutes and we felt totally connected. <laughs> and it was like, dad's just super chill like that. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I was, I had some things developed in my whole life. And my counselor, Barry Byrne, amazing guy, just started digging on those things. And he helped me really focus in on me and all of the contributing factors that led to, to me getting needs met where I shouldn't have. And then also beginning to try and restore some things with my wife. My wife saw me owning 100% of myself, which she said, okay, well, then I'll do counseling too. Right. Which she was having her own process. I think, you know, you get into an affair state like this and it's a mess. And, and sometimes the first thing we go to is, you know, blame mm -hmm. rather than ownership. Mm -hmm. And then you don't see really well. And I, I realized I had learned a style of leadership that was pretty self-sufficient. It was all about me. And I didn't have, I didn't have needs. And even though I had needs, yeah, I couldn't articulate that. Well, and I wouldn't know how to get outlets for those. I think... <clears throat> It's so easy for men to be sent this message growing up in, in, in our culture that to have needs is weak, right? To, mm. and, and even, and so I think that it, it's really easy to get into a spot as a man where you don't understand how to be vulnerable, how to open up. You don't understand how to build that, that deep, strong connection. Because honestly, it, it's not like it feels weak uh consciously it's like it kind of feels embarrassing sometimes 
Absolutely. It's it's scary. It's embarrassing. I don't know how you're going to respond or anyone's going to sp- respond. And to me, at that point, you know, it was like I was so used to giving my wife a place and position in my life that was unfair to her. And let me mm. explain that. Yeah. So my wife would say, hey, you, you need to go hang with the guys. You need to go do this. You, you need to have other friends. I'm like, baby, I don't need other friends. I've got you. Mm. What she was actually saying is, I can't handle the pressure of being everything to you. Yeah. And I was, unbeknownst to me, thinking I was being a great husband, I just want to spend time with you. Yeah. I was actually forcing her to meet needs that she could never fulfill. Mm-hmm. And even God doesn't even do that. He's yeah. like, I could be everything to you, but I'm going to choose to reserve portions of myself, put it in J, so actually you need people as well as me. You know, one of the things that I watched you do is, so you stayed on staff, um, which yeah, is was a miracle. Yeah, was which was really uh, unusual. You stayed on our staff, and I think for a year and a half, maybe two years, you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, you just, like, you, you, you weren't pastoring people. No, I just you did were doing all the like grunt work. Admin and yeah. all kinds Creating of- Creating papers, all the behind the scenes stuff. That's all I did. Bro. I was in charge of setup crews. Seriously. You know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's crazy because like every day you had to wake up for the, for like two years, every day you woke up and- literally walked into this, like, I made this decision. I'm cleaning up this mess. Like I used to be a guy leading the school. I used to be a guy leading all these students. Now I'm grading their papers. Now I'm doing administrative work. Now I'm on the team, but I'm just doing support stuff because like I, they don't actually trust me. People in my environment don't trust me. And I'm meeting with I'm I'm having meetings after meetings where students are dumping everything. They're so angry. Well, I was going to so explain upset. that. Yeah, but oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. you're good. I, I, you should. But one of the things that we did in school is so trust is not built by the absence of mistakes, but by how you clean up a mess. Yeah, yeah. And the unfortunate part about all of this is when you're leading eighty people or seventy people. Those people are deeply intertwined in your life. Yeah. And you were a revival group pastor, which meant you're over 65 students mm-hmm. plus interns, right? Yeah. They're all deeply entwined in your life. And so when you when you made this, mis- not mistake, when you- I chose it. Yeah, chose this big old mess, right? When you make this mess, now all these people are affected. Yeah. And so we, I remember sitting and down- And the broader school too. Yeah, so I remember sitting down with uh, Mark- and you mm-hmm. and the revival group, yeah. While you talked through what had happened, right? Yeah. And there, you get multiple different responses because some people are in there, and just right away they just want to go like, "Hey Ben, like God's grace is sufficient. Yeah, you're going to get through we this. We believe in you. We believe in you. We love you." The flip side of that is like you've got a lot of people in there that, dude, you were their biggest hero. Yeah. And they I betrayed them. You betrayed them. And then in the school, right, you've got, you have wives whose husbands have done that in the past. So that's super painful. Yeah. You have kids whose dads did that to them. Or their pastor did that. Or their or, pastor. So yeah. super triggering, right? And we basically went like, hey, Ben, this is your mess. And 
hey team, hey family, like if you if if this has been tough for you, if this has yeah. been traumatizing, if this is painful for you, you need to feel free to let Ben know. And and you guys were like, hey, what does it look like to clean up your mess? And I'm like, well, I got to own all of it. You know, I, I actually probably did meetings like that too long. I yeah, did it for probably long. three or four years. <laughs> Bro. And, uh, for- and after I was restored and everything, but then, you know, I can remember I had a meeting, I think seven years after the fact yeah. and so, some lady came up to me and said, I've been, I've been watching you. I can finally forgive you. Wow. I'm like, wow. Uh, okay. Well, thank you. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm super happy. Yeah. She's finally free. Yeah. It, it, but, but those are the, those are the types of things that regular basis. I can remember the day they, you know, our names used to be on the back wall or on the bleachers as a revival group pastor. And you're, you know, your whole team, uh, that you're pastoring would come to your table and you'd meet up and stuff. Remember the day they took my name down and put up Josh's name. Yeah, because we brought somebody yeah, else in to lead your group. And, and, and I can remember my wife at one point during that year was so... She's like, you don't even have to face anything. You're not, you're not really going through. You don't know the pain I have to go through. And she walked in one day and I was sitting in the back grading papers and she watched as everyone walked by me and would look at me and, and, and she's like, oh, oh, wait a second. You're facing this every, every day. day. And there was one point where Heather said, baby, can we just move? How about we just move and leave this place and we can start over. It'll be fine. We're all good. I said, baby, we can't do that. Mm. If we do that now... I don't know if I'm fully healed yet. Mm-hmm. And the only way I know I'm fully healed is to be in the same place I made the mess mm-hmm. and stick in it. And if we're done and we we are fully cleaned up our mess and we're at that place, then, and you feel like you still want to go, then we can go. But until then... There's something inside of me that just was like, I've got to own. Oh, well, it's all the smartest of this. thing in the world, right? Because um, <clears throat> the first instinct is, how do I get out of this right away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then, like, how can I solve this really quick? Like, <clears throat> where can I go to? I'll do these three things. I'll get a counselor really quick, and and I'll do all the right things, and then I can just be done with this really fast. What I love about your process is that you guys, it wasn't fast. You guys took so much time with no promise of, there was no promise. We didn't tell you, Hey, if you do, you know, do two years or Hey, do, but no timeline in it either. No timeline. Yeah. And you just did that until, until finally, you know, you got to a place where the environment trusted you Yeah, there, where, you know, you gained a lot of favor and a lot of strength because, Oh, we all watched you show up every single day. We watched you have those, um, those conversations with people, but more importantly, I think we watched you and your wife with your family. Yeah. Can we talk through just a little bit? Like what did it look like for you to begin to restore trust with your wife? And then we're going to talk about the kids. Yeah. Well, number one, I, I think of, you know, and it's biblical fruit of the spirit, right? It's called self-control right away. The first and only thing I can control. And this was the 
hardest, best lesson in my life in self-control is when I've blown up everything in my life. I cannot control how my boss is going to respond to me. I cannot control if I'm going to have a job. I cannot control if I'm going to have a wife. I cannot control how my kids are going to respond. I just can control owning 100% of me and going after it hardcore. Yeah. Um, so I started doing that. My wife started seeing that and I showed up, I mean, at her home, she had free reign to express whatever emotion she was feeling at any given time. And sometimes that looked really scary and painful and things said, some that were true mm-hmm. and all that were earned. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but it was, I'm going to, I love said, stick in it and don't defend yourself right now. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do that, honestly, Jay, if Barry wasn't in my ear every yeah. week and You're I had an yeah. outlet for all of the pain that those words were causing me. Cause mm-hmm. that's, it's painful. Mm-hmm. And, even if it's true, it's still painful. It's like, how do I process this? How do I get better at this? What what does restoration look like? And I'm paying out of my pocket. I've got to pay for this. It's going to cost people mm-hmm. if they really want to get whole. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 worthwhile. My wife started seeing me do that, and not only that, I began to pursue her again. Mm. I I began to pursue. What does connection look like? Sometimes that was just walks. I began to serve her. She was a professional photographer and and she had weddings on the weekend and didn't have anyone to help. And those were my days off. And so I said, hey, how about I come carry your bags and I'll just do whatever, do all the grunt work. I learned a ton with that uh, and then wound up becoming her second shooter on the weekends for these weddings. And so I was working seven days a week and counseling and all this stuff, but I was serving her Mm -hmm. in what she was passionate about. She felt pursued and because she felt pursued and saw me owning a hundred percent of herself, this is what's crazy. This Jay, I've seen this too many times with affairs where one or the other holds that over their head and controls the person with that but she did this. She said, because I saw you owning 100% of you and felt your love and pursuit, I could look at the reasons or the things in my life that help contribute to this. Wow. So I never brought up any of those. Yeah. I would bring them up with my counselor. That's yeah. what counselor's yeah. for, but never with her. But then when we had couples counseling and got together, and then she started seeing another lady, and she had a group of maybe three or four really different types of people. Uh, C.J. Liebscher, girl named Jen Johnson, and then uh, uh, Danny and Sherry Silk's uh, daughter, Brittany. Yeah, Brittany. And they're all totally different types yep. of people, different response. You know, it was like, she's like, I needed my girl who would eat cake with me yeah. and cry. <laughs> totally. I needed the girl who would say, you know, pull up your bootstraps, lace them up and let's go to work. And then I just needed a counselor, the yeah. spirit of counsel. There was many people who kind of gave us that, but that began to 
build more and more trust and we'd get little wins. And it helped having a counselor say, that's a win. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Okay, we had one less blow up this week. We had one less, you know, panic attack. One less, I don't trust you anywhere. I can't even trust you to go to a store. I'm right. like, here, follow me on my phone. You can yeah. see where I'm at. Um, I had to do things like that that we don't want to do, but it was I was willing to pay the price because I'm I want I want my wife forever. Yeah, I want my kids. Yeah. And so that started a journey with the kids too. And we were really open with the kids, age appropriate stuff, obviously, but dad made a mess. And I did things with a lady that was only supposed to be with your mom. And I violated that. How did the kids respond? Did they all respond the same or was it different with each one of them? Absolutely not. The girls were, were a little younger. Um, Maddie's like, okay, can we go play now? Um, you <laughs> so, know, and so she's just ready to go. Yeah. Kira's like, oh, does that mean the lady who's been a friend and part of our family is no longer going to babysit us and no longer going to be? Yeah, that's not. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. She's worried about the babysitter. Yeah, like, I don't yeah, get to see yeah. anymore. Yeah. Connor had a unique connection to the lady mm-hmm. and it was super painful. He mm-hmm. shut down. Yeah. And I can remember one time we were dropping him off at Caleb Brooks's house. So one of his buddies and he's going to stay the night. So he gets dropped off over there. And Heather has this brilliant idea. He just came from the Holy Spirit, just dropped in her spirit. Hey, let's play the I feel game. Mm. And everyone says, what's that? So... When I say the question, I feel, you say whatever you feel. <laughs> Bro. And, and, uh, That's awesome. and so Heather says, I'll start. I feel really sad and hurt by what dad did. Are you guys in the car? We're in the car. Driving to drop Driving off. to drop him off. And the oh, girls are in the back. Your and wife's in the beast. I know. And she says that. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, 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 and one of the girls is like, I feel happy. You know, I'm like, <laughs> and like, I feel this, you know, and the girls are like some random deal. Yeah, so. And it's crickets when it comes to Connor and he doesn't say anything. And we drive up in front of Caleb's house. And just before he gets out of the car, he says, I feel like I don't have a dad anymore. Oh, dang, dude. Like, I want to cry just hearing that. It was... One of the worst things I've ever heard. Yeah. As a father, your your son. It was the worst and the best moment. Mm. I was like, You're so brave, buddy. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. You know, that's I'm like, yes, he's getting it out. He's yeah. not hiding in the dark like I was hiding in the dark. Yeah. He's actually bringing something in the light. And that was, that was the beginning of a journey mm-hmm. where I really had to work with my son, Connor, to restore a lot of trust. I think the girls were just looking at mom yeah. and taking the cues from mom. Yeah. And Connor was too, like, can I trust dad? The girls are younger though too. Yeah. And so it, it affected them totally different. 
Um, but Connor, I can remember, he was struggling in math that year. And so I volunteered in the classroom in math class. Oh, I remember that. And I sat with him every year or every day for about eight months that year uh, in math class. And I'd go in for an hour and I'd serve in their class and uh, and just do that. By the end of the year, this whole process, I can remember we were doing uh, a school assembly for them. And he comes out and he says, Dad, I have the best dad in the whole world. Bro. That's a huge difference. Amazing. And then smack in the middle of that, he comes home from school one day. He's like, Dad. I'm like, what, buddy? He says, I did it. I said, what'd you do? He says, I told him. I said, you, you told who? Why, what'd you tell him? He says, I told my friends about your mess. I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> you know, this is, yeah. this, is, this is Caleb and Austin and Mikey and Elijah and all the yeah. guys, you know. And I told him, I'm, I'm like, what did they say? They just cried with me wow. and they prayed for me. And I, I feel like I don't have to hide it anymore. And again, victory after victory. Big He's moment. taking cues from me owning 100%, starting to live in the light, mom's getting trust restored. I'm investing in time in pursuing mom, pursuing him, pursuing the family. And our kids is, didn't need counseling from that because we were we were living out the yeah. counseling we were getting they were able they're, to process they're it, getting yeah. to experience it and they were they were beasts we gave them full reign to say whatever and hold us accountable and there was times where they'd say um you guys better stop fighting right now or we're going to call your counselor <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> they were they were just they were real with that and then there was times where we'd have to say hey this is healthy arguing. Mm -hmm. We don't agree on something, mm -hmm. and it's healthy. Dad's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mom's not going anywhere. As she's got you in a headlock. Oh yeah, yeah. This but, is but there this was is healthy. Yeah, I don't know, some of it, Jay. I can remember a time where we're probably three months in now, and we're cooking tacos, and we run out of taco seasoning, and. Heather's so frustrated. She's like, run to the store, get taco seasoning. I'm like, okay. So I'm on at the store and she gets bombarded. She's like, this is your chance. Just leave right now. Just leave them. Because she's, she's got all the fear. and Yeah, yeah. all the stuff going on. Pain, fear, betrayal, all of the things that are just mm -hmm. welling up. And, and it's long enough now in the process where she's feeling mm -hmm. all of it. And she's got this internal voice just going on and it's like, this is your chance. Just leave him, get a divorce. She actually gets an email from someone and it's crazy and says, I can't believe you're with him. Mm. You, you should leave him right now. And it just gets spinny. And, and all of a sudden she feels a presence. She can feel the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit said to her, I choose us. Mm. And in that moment, Heather said out loud, I choose us. I choose us. 
And she said it three times and something lifted off of her. Wow. And it was like a stake in the ground. Wow. And I, I can remember, she, she's, she's been through a family of divorce. Like it, it's just her parents. Uh, her, her parents, her grandparents, like it's been in the family. And I, she remembers driving up to her dad's job at, I, I think, 12 years old. And he's making out with another girl. Whoa. And and mom and dad and they split and and get get a divorce. And she said, That'll never happen to me. I'm never gonna get a divorce. But this was that challenge. This is like I said that, but now I'm facing the same exact thing. I remember probably I don't know, maybe a week or two, maybe three weeks after, um, Heather calling me on the phone one mm-hmm. day. And she just said, I don't, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. I'm not, <clears throat> I don't trust him. I'm never going to trust him again. Yeah. You know, um, and she was just, of course, right? Like, like any of us would be in that spot. I just remember talking her through that, like, listen, girl, this isn't going to be your story forever. And um, like, God's going to work this out and just talking her through like off the ledge and and I remember her going like I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And I was like, girl, you've got that like we are with you. We're walking this through with you yeah. and just encouraging her. But you know, a lot of so I've helped, I don't know, on, on the honest truth probably over a hundred people through yeah. in the last whatever 20 years. Yeah. Through affairs and all different kinds of infidelity, uh, yeah. whether it's to pornography or whether it's to, you know, emo- uh, emotional affairs, yeah. physical affairs. And there's a, a few things that stand out to me is it doesn't, so I, I can literally say this, it doesn't matter how crazy the affair is. Yeah. If you have two people that will take ownership, like real legit ownership, yeah. do you know what I mean? Two people that will take ownership of their life their their marriage will be different than it's ever been. Absolutely. And I, I say this like I had I had a couple come in where the first affair that he had had was on his honeymoon with prostitutes. Wow. Yeah. And of course he had he had been looking at pornography before that and everything, but the first affair that he had ever had was on his honeymoon. And and this couple had been married for 30 years by the time they, they got to me. He was uh a pastor on staff at one point and um of a very large church he was, mm. and so by the time they got into my office he had had i don't know hundreds of affairs mm-hmm. you know and massage parlors things like that yeah and i watched him come in which he got caught and there's a difference between someone who comes and confesses and someone who gets caught yep I, i'm not saying there's a difference in how much god loves him there's a difference in the process mm-hmm. right because man, if you come out and you go like, Hey, I'm messed up. I need some help. That's different than, Hey, I'm watching you make out with this girl and busted. yeah, you get busted. And I, I've watched both people get totally free, yep. but it's, it's just a different process. So he got caught. Yeah. And for the first six months I met with him and I met with his wife and it was crazy because, uh, so much stuff. He was just, Thing after thing, I mean, 30 years of affairs, yeah, right? Yeah. Like she is just drowning in new story after new story after new story and new thing after new thing. And then, but what's crazy is I watched her 
come in week after week after week, right? Yeah. This is a guy who on his own, he's completely guilty. Yeah. Because before their marriage was ever anything, yeah. he's having affairs. Yeah. I watch her come in week after week after week and go, okay, but what do I need to take ownership of? She would ask me. That's what awesome. Do I, yeah. And I'm like, dude, super impressed. Yeah. Like so impressed. Six months in, he gets caught at a, I, dude, I'm serious. It was so like, yep. I was so over it. I handed him off to somebody else. For reals. I'm like, this is so much work. I just can't yeah. keep doing this, you know? Because it wasn't my full job to meet with him. It was yeah, just, totally. it was, I was just helping them. And then when he got caught again, I was like, man, I'm I'm just, I just can't do it. I don't you're have any. Yeah, you're killing me. And uh, I handed him off to a, a really, really good friend of mine who's, she's incredible. And she continued to meet with him. They literally, to this day, they have the best marriage. Yeah. They walked all the way out of that because, this is the honest truth, because two people continued to go, what's my part? Yep. And I was so impressed. Like when I, when I remember when she came in after the second time and she, she said, I don't know if I'll ever trust him again. I don't know if we'll ever be married again. Yeah. Right. Like that's yeah. how she started it. Like, I don't know that I ever even want him again. I just want to know what my part is. Yeah. I'm like, holy smokes, lady. That's awesome. Yeah, because we all give her permission to just yeah. be like, I'm done with you. Yeah. I don't want to look at my, like, I just want to move on. I, yeah. She just went like, I just want to know how to grow. Yeah. And honestly, people tell me this too a lot. If they're, if they're forget affairs in their marriage. Yeah. They'll come in and they go like, I don't want that marriage anymore. Like, I don't know that I want to keep doing this anymore. I don't know that I want to keep going down this road. And here's what I always say to them. Like, we're not building the same old marriage. No. That's not what we're doing. No. So that marriage was broken. That marriage ha had bad cycles. That marriage had no needs in it. That marriage had no truth, yeah. no real truth in it, no real connection. We're not doing that. That's not the path that we're on. We're building a brand new marriage. Yeah. And if people will come... And if I can get them to buy into, like, no one wants that old marriage. No one wants this this poor communication skills, poor conflict resolution, poor uh, boundaries, horrible, you know, needs, the lone range. Like, nobody wants that marriage, no. right? There's not anyone on this planet that's going like, that's what I really need in my life. If people will go, listen, I am subscribing yeah. to my, clean up my stuff. Yeah. And if she will go, I'm looking at what my job, what my, what is mine? Yeah. Not in this, and there's room to go like, hey, you caused me pain. Hey, oh, I'm, I'm hurt, hey, I'm frustrated. But at the end of the day, right? Yeah. It's two powerful people have to bring all of them to the relationship in order for you to pull something out of the relationship of value. Yeah, exactly. And I watched you and Heather build a whole new skill set. Yeah. And Jay, I'd add to that or or just say to that point, um, I think a lot of times in messes like this or big messes in anyone's life, no matter what it is, we tend towards punishment mm -hmm. and punishment is easy in that I never have to face myself. Mm. I just take the weight of the dis whatever the the punishment but i say this punishment is easy discipline is hard mm. 
And that's the road we chose, is discipline. Discipline actually chooses to look at myself and find out how I got here and how find out what healthy looks like and point my life towards that on a continual basis over and over. Punishment doesn't have to do any of that over and over. It's just, oh, we're done with this marriage. Let me go get a new one. Yeah. And I'll bring all of my dysfunction and all of my problems to that, and then I'll do it again, mm-hmm. and I'll do it again, and I'll get a new one. I'll get punished, get a divorce, and do a new one. And we wonder why there's no meaning in life. There's yeah. no fulfillment in life. Because punishment is easy, discipline is the hard part. How did you get your confidence back? Mm, I had to deal with shame and guilt. Um, Can you talk through that just yeah, a little bit? The, the, there was times I'd walk into the room and then all of a sudden it just hit me. I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. So I'd do this mental time out. I didn't feel that just a moment ago mm. when it was just me and God. Mm-hmm. We were all good. Wait, is... Are, are me and my kids good? Yeah. Is my wife good right now? Yes. Okay, then this environment doesn't get to mm. put that on me. That's good. And shame and guilt are kind of like these, there's healthy shame. Like healthy shame should show mm-hmm. up be- when I think about doing something. Yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking about doing that. No, that, that makes me feel bad yeah. thinking about I'm ashamed yeah. that I'm thinking that. Yeah. That keeps me from having a behavior. But when it becomes an identity where like, oh, well, I did something bad in the past, so I have to hang my head. I have to look guilty. I have to feel guilty. I have to hold on to this all the time so I can prove to everyone in the environment that I'm safe. Yeah. And that's the thing that was uh, trying to get at me. And I just refused. I'm like, no. God, if you are a redeeming God, that means better than the original state, Mm. then I can't have shame and guilt as part of my identity. Because here's what happens. If it's part of my identity, eventually when I get worn down and tired out, I'll just go back to my identity. Oh, I'm an adulterer. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'm not... I'm not cut out for being a husband. I'm not a good father. Whatever those words are that try and put identity on me, when I'm worn down, I'll eventually go back to my identity. So you said something that's really powerful in, it's talking about shame and guilt become friends. Yeah. It can become a a very uh, comforting place. And it's really easy when you make a mess to, to put on guilt and shame and to think if people see me really sad, if they see me really hard on myself, then they'll know that I'm really sorry. Yeah. I see this happen a lot when I, especially when I worked with sex addicts for a long time, they would have no needs. They would have set no boundaries with, with anybody. They would not look happy. They wouldn't take any time for themselves. Right. Like I'm just going to go into the season and, and I'm not saying that shame on them for doing that. I'm like, that's a natural response, right? Like yeah. I've hurt all these people. And if I, restoration looks like me being really, really hard on myself. Yeah. But then the fruit of that is I end up acting out again because yeah. you have to medicate shame. Yeah. Shame is pain. Yeah. And eventually it creates this cycle that 
created it in the first place is you I'm living in so much shame, I'm living in so much pain, I'm hiding, I'm isolating. And the the way out is to forgive yourself really quickly, right? Yeah. Is to go like my wife's my wife's not in a in a hard place anymore or maybe my wife is in a hard place, I'm taking ownership. Like I have to trust that God's going to work with my wife. I have to be willing to take ownership. You know, I got to be willing to step up. Yeah. But I am not something wrong. I did something wrong. Yeah, exactly. So in this moment, I can feel proud of myself that I am cleaning up a mess. I can feel proud of myself that I'm working on this. She can still have her hard day. Yeah. Right? Like she can still be going through a, a really hard time. It doesn't mean that I'm something bad. It means I did something bad. Like being able to separate your what your identity from what she's going through, super tough. Yeah. But really important. And Jay, here's the anchor with all of this. It feels like in order for us to really get to that spot where shame and guilt aren't our friends is is you need healthy community. Yeah. Because I can do that in and of myself and with God and Holy Spirit, but I I need I need the affirmation of a community mm-hmm. that says, "No, you guys are doing good. You're open. Here's the, all the things that you're doing. Here's what we see. Here's how we feel." And they won't let us stay in that yeah. point. I mean, that's Braveco. I mean, that's this yeah. group of men, this company of men, and that's the, really what you're working to produce for people. And and you know all the all of the addictive behavior studies, all of those things, you know, a lot of it's traced back to, do you have community? Mm-hmm. Do you have health and it's true. people around you? And, and, and are you getting needs met or pain even dealt with in a comforting way in the right spot? Yeah. Otherwise we just go back to a, you know, maybe, maybe you're not addicted to porn anymore, but maybe yeah. you go to an, Another addiction. Yeah. It's comfort. You know, what are you, are you comforting yourself or is it real celebration or is you comforting yourself? You know? Yeah, it's true. Uh, every human being has uh, a set of needs that if you don't get those needs met in a healthy way, you end up acting out, right? Because you have oh, yeah. to get them met. And so it's true. Like if we don't actually get nurtured, cared for, you know, adored, if you don't exercise, like if you don't get your needs met and, and there's, we have a whole podcast on that as um, they can go back to how get, how to get your needs met. Come on. Then you end up in these crazy cycles. One of the things I wanted to ask you though, is how did you trust yourself again? Because I just want to paint a picture for people yeah. like in our environment today, you, you lead women, mm-hmm. you, uh, you travel, like you mm-hmm. go all, all over the place, sometimes without your wife, like yep. you travel different places yeah. and minister. Most of the and, times without her. Yeah, yeah. Like how did you get to a place where you trusted yourself again and your wife trusted you again? And, and I know it's not, probably not going to be like a one, like th- I did this one no, thing, no, but no, I'd no, love to talk that. about it because again, like I really am trying to paint a picture for people like you are fully restored in our environment. Like yeah. there's no... There's no, like, you don't have anyone extra checking in on you. Yep. Like you're back up and running in empowered. I think some of the things I did, some, first I start with, I started with external boundaries. Mm. I, I really started with this thing of like, That's okay, well, I actually violated those spaces where I was alone with a woman. Mm-hmm. So... I couldn't trust myself in that when I was going through healing because I'd made a mess of yeah. that. 
And I'm like, I don't know that I'm healed. So the first thing I did was said, anytime I meet with a woman, I'll have another woman in the room. Yeah, that's good. And so I, that's an external boundary that actually created a value system where I, I, I knew I wouldn't violate someone's trust and they couldn't violate or get more from me mm-hmm. as well than what was supposed to be in there because I had someone else yeah. in the room at the same time. Now, for the most part, I still do that, not because I'm unhealthy, mm-hmm. but because it creates so much freedom for me. Yeah. Now, there are some one-offs with like that, and I'll just call my wife. I said, oh, I was supposed to have someone, the, the third person can't show up. Are you okay with me meeting mm-hmm. with this person? And just by being, me being open, most of the time she's like, oh, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. no problem. And and so there's openness in that. I think there's a, a lot of structures like that that help build trust. And that's where Heather kind of cracked open the window of trust. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll give you this, see what you do with it. I'll give you this, see what you do with that. And over and over again, building that trust. And here's the other thing that really helps in that is my pursuit of my wife and my connection mm-hmm. with her and my honesty and real with her um, with all of the stuff in my life helps her in that point to be like, okay, yeah, I, I can I can trust more. Mm-hmm. And you know, you get a couple of wins under your belt. That's important. Um, I think in, in, in when it comes to affairs, <clears throat> especially with something I, I was went through it it you got to know it's going to take time mm-hmm. this is not a hey um, I'll do six months of counseling is that enough and we're all good it's funny I just wrote down guys often go how long am I gonna have to like how long am I going to be cleaning up my mess for it, it's the wrong mode to be in right yeah yeah because Heather even this is this is crazy. Um, where was it? Oh, my Instagram got hacked. <laughs> Bro, that's horrible. <laughs> it was. Someone stole my Instagram. Did you ever get it back? And I, I just finally got it back. It Gosh, was a miracle because they were they were locking me out and they kicked me out and I don't I, I was like it's my face like I'm doing the facial stuff and it gets hacked and it got hacked through one of my friends in Dubai had their thing hacked and I'm friends with the husband and wife. I haven't heard from them in years. And I get this DM, Hey, could you vote for me for this thing? And I'm like, of course I'll vote for you. So I go to vote and somehow they, they steal all my stuff. And Heather's like, who is this girl? And I share, and she's all of a sudden that old feeling came. She got up. scared, yeah, yeah, scared. I'm like, "Oh, baby, are you afraid? What happened?" And I wasn't offended. I don't have to get defensive. I just tell her the real. Here's the real deal. Here's the, their names. Here's who they are. Do you DM her all the time? I'm like, no, I don't. Here's the, the here's the history. I've got to be willing to not 
freak out, yeah. get offended in those moments, but be fully transparent. Like I, I am not nervous when my wife grabs my phone. Yeah. Why? Because I have nothing to hide. Yeah. I am not nervous that my wife has my passwords to whatever. Never nervous about that. Why? Because I don't have anything to hide and I'm open with all that stuff. I can give my phone to anyone mm -hmm. and not be afraid of that. I mean, maybe you could get my bank accounts, but you know, that well, kind of stuff. And I think to me, that's what we're inviting guys into, right? Yes. Is and there's some ladies that listen to this podcast too, but like, man, you can live a healthy whole life. It doesn't matter where you're at today. Yeah. And there be there's so many guys that are listening to this that and struggling a little bit with pornography or mm, you've got an emotional uh, thing happening with a woman yeah. right now and you're married and, and you know that you're crossing the line or, yeah. you know, some people probably in the middle of an affair and you feel that tug of war of like, I know this isn't right, but I've already screwed up my life. I've already messed up my life and you feel like I'm stuck. I don't know where to go. Like guys, listen, your life's not over. If you, if you Absolutely. are in the middle of a mess, yeah. it's, this is your day. This is an opportunity to step up yeah. and to, to lead, right. To go, I've made a mess. I've made this big mess and I need to, I need to take ownership of this. I need to get clean and well. And listen, if your wife doesn't want to go down that path with you, like that's going to be something that you have to face. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. But I've seen this so many times. If the guy is willing, or even the woman, if yeah, to show up, own their mess, get counseling, figure out the root cause, start to implement some new change, some new growth, some real repentance, right? Yeah. Is to change yeah. the way you think. It's not to say you're sorry. No. And get back on track. Like, I just, I wish I could post them all on here. Like, these are all the people I've worked with over the years whose lives, like, you'd want your marriage to look like them. Yeah, and you're yeah, one yeah. of those. When I look at you and Heather, man, yeah, you guys have such an awesome marriage. And it's because you both stepped up. You don't have that old marriage. No. You have a brand new marriage with a whole new operating Praise system. God. <laughs> that's incredible. And honestly, it's it's this is what we're modeling for people. And Ben, would you pray for the men and, and just yeah. just give us some courage? Yeah, that's 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 the word, Jay. That's the word that's ringing in my head. Is some people just need courage. I like yeah. uh, that mo Matt Damon movie. We bought a zoo. Sometimes mm, yeah. you, all you need is thirty seconds of insane courage. Just 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 maybe 30 seconds of just obscene bravery yeah. to step up and own your life. And this is, men, you were called to leave legacy yeah. and a heritage and, and all of these places that are keeping us hidden, all of these places that we're, you know, we, we've made messes in, they're all trying to steal away from the legacy that you're intended to produce and release. And I want you to have courage to actually step up, own your life. You can't control anyone, but you can control you and you can become the best man that you were ever supposed to be, what God fully intended in you. And so God, I ask that there be grace. And I, I ask God, as, as men get bold, brave and courage, courageous, and they step up that God in all the places that they begin to own their own life, 
you would deal with all the other relationships mm. that need to own theirs. They wouldn't have to worry about that. And I, I pray that you'd give them grace to give over those relationships to you and that they would trust you in that. Mm -hmm. And we release breakthrough. And I, I release, um, for those that are in a mess, courage to come into the light. Those who are thinking about a mess, courage to still walk in the mm -hmm. light, but not make those choices. And, uh, and everyone in between, grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to just give one instruction really quick, because I know that from guys listening to this, um, that, that they'll go and, and I, I know that somebody's going to yeah. just sheer, sheer numbers. Yeah. Here's the thing. Make sure that if, if you were going to go home and tell your wife that you've you know been in an affair or you know been watching pornography for, for a long time, <clears throat> make sure that she actually has the time and space to process it. And here's what I mean. You know, yeah. maybe get a babysitter. Yeah. That's maybe right. set it up. Um, maybe talk to your pastor first so that, because what you don't want to do is you don't want to come home and tell her at 12 o'clock and she's got to pick the kids up at one. Yeah. You know, and then she, there's no place to process. There's no way that she can, it feels very trapping, but <clears throat> I would, good, yeah, I would make sure that, you know, maybe somebody's going to watch the kids or you got a babysitter to come or you pick a little bit better timing you know, maybe tomorrow morning when she drops the kids off at school, if you've been in it for a long time already, like pick good time. I'm not saying like wait a year. Don't. Yeah, no. I'm saying set it up right. And then <clears throat> the other thing is make sure that you don't put it on her to solve it. No. So you don't put it on her like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I just needed to tell you this. Like it'd be a good time to contact your pastor ahead of time yeah. and say, hey, I've been, I'm in an affair, you know. Who do I go to to get well? We have the Transformation Center, Bethel Transformation yep. Center. That I mean, you could literally call there and say, I'm in the middle of an affair. I don't know what to do. And we'll set you up with a counselor to, yeah. to help walk you through this process. Um, because again, this isn't your wife's job to clean up. Nope. You don't want to set her up by for failure by going, I don't know what to do. I feel lost. I feel confused. It's okay if she feels lost and confused, but it's so much better if you can go like, hey, I've contacted the Transformation Center already. I'm not saying you have to go there. I'm saying this is a good starting point for, for me. I've talked to the pastor. Yeah, Just job. let him know where I'm at. But I wanted to come and open up to you. So uh, guys, I uh, I hope this was helpful for you today. And listen, if you're in the middle of it, if you're in the thick of it, yeah. um, this is it's part of being a man, is stepping up, taking ownership, yeah. and, and creating a healthy and whole legacy by starting here today. So- Yep. Ben, thank you so much for coming on, man. You're the best. Course, Jay. Love you so much. Love you too. Guys, be brave. Have an incredible week. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Brave Co. Podcast. If you like this podcast, would you please rate it, review it, leave us a great comment. And if you like this episode in particular, share it with your friends and family. That helps us to spread the word. If you want to upgrade your wardrobe, you can check out some of our new hats that we have in stock and all our other swag. Go to braveco.org and you can look at our store there. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.